Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. And today we are very excited decided to welcome a guest to the podcast who we have invited on to speak into this week's letter concerning infertility, which is a very delicate and painful subject that Jessica and I desired to handle thoughtfully. So in her 11 years of trying to conceive, Polly Gallagher has been diagnosed with hypothyroidism, PCOS, endometriosis, and luteal phase defect. When her OBGYN told her there was nothing else left to try last year, Paula was inspired to start a ministry at her church for women suffering from infertility and miscarriages. She made her website, catholicinfertilityresources.com, to put all her information and resources in one place and began the Instagram account at catholic.infertility.resources to share tips and encouragement that didn't have a place to live on the website. Her full-time job is as a senior editor at Evie Magazine. She and her husband are foster parents and are currently waiting for their next placement. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Before we get started on the episode, we wanted to take a moment to thank each and every person who has tuned in today, wherever and whenever you might find yourself. And we will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments. But first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations, and finishing off with a blessing or positive, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose? Pretty easy for me. Um <laughs> My thorn this week was having to report bright and early on Monday morning for jury duty. Um, it was my, yeah, yeah. It was my first time, um, reporting as well. Cause I I had been summoned like back at my parents' home when I hadn't lived there anymore. I had to change my address and all the things. So, um, they found me (laughs) this time and, uh, I wasn't, I was a bit unsure what to expect. and was just overall prepared to be there for the entire day. It was snacks and two books. And I actually even had to borrow a friend's car. So it was quite the ordeal. I feel like, um, I was really hoping that I wouldn't have to show up all week. Um, they also said that those that get called in on Mondays tend to be for criminal trials. So I was just really dreading potentially like being chosen to be on some deeply emotionally and psychologically distressing case. Um, but my rose is that um, not long after I had received my yellow and white juror sticker and my seat number out of, you know, however many of us, I think there were 60 that were going to be questioned and chosen from, um, we were then not too too much later updated that our group, um, like, like the trial that we would have served for had come to an agreement, like maybe just even that morning. So like, oh, you can go home now. <laughs> so 
wow. mid-morning. We just got to go home. So I was like, oh, that was a that was a relief. I got to have a pretty normal week, um, all things considered. So that was my role. My my rose was the relief of not oh, wow. going to serve. That's great. You know, I've never been called for jury duty. I'm still waiting for that. And there's this part of me that's like, maybe it would be really interesting. I feel be. like it could be. Yeah. yeah. But also, you know, I don't love the whole having to just totally sacrifice your life to being on, on this jury. So that's rough. I'm glad you didn't get chosen for this one. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right, Paula, what about your thorn and your rose? Um, my thorn this week was, I actually got strep at the beginning of the week, oh. um, which I haven't gotten it in a really long time. So I was like, well, I'm pretty sure this is what it is. Went to urgent care and the doctor didn't want to test me. Cause he was like, you don't have typical strep symptoms. And I was like, I have never had typical strep symptoms. Just run the test, please. <laughs> he was like, oh yeah, you have strep. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I figured. So, um, it was just like sick, but I had like a bunch of appointments at the beginning of the week, including like a girl's night out with a dear friend. So how to reschedule all of that. Um, but some forced rest was good. Um, and then my rose for the week was actually flowers. I last week and bought some lilies at, uh, our farmer's market. There's a family that like moved from California, just decided we're going to move to Texas and start a flower farm. And they always have the most beautiful flowers. So I like to buy a bouquet whenever we go. Um, And they, they only had lilies, but they weren't fully open yet. So I was like, oh, we'll pick one for me that has a variety. And this bouquet has these gorgeous white lilies that are just flecked with purple. And they're almost kind of shivery. They're just so beautiful. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it before. Um, and then the flowers that my husband bought yesterday for wife appreciation day, our version of mother's day, um, <laughs> have these other beautiful flowers in them called white anemones. And I was like, Oh, these are so pretty. So I've just been enjoying having fresh flowers in my house that are a little bit unusual. That sounds so fun. And now I want to go to Trader Joe's and get some flowers. <laughs> Trader that Joe's was, amazing. was crawling this morning with people buying flowers Wait, <laughs> every time. Wait until well, after yeah, another day exactly. the prices will drop. <laughs> exactly. That's true. No, that, yeah. I didn't even think of that, but that's a really good point. Yeah. That's, okay. I need to get flowers. <laughs> <laughs> well, as for my thorn this week, I have mentioned before that I work as an actress from time to time, um, basically just whenever I am given the chance. <laughs> but sadly, there has been no work in the entertainment industry as of late due to a writer's strike. And so this has virtually caused all film and television production to stop. And of course, the thorn isn't the fact that the writers are asking for fair pay, um, but just that it ended up getting to the point that a strike was necessary and happening and affecting so many people. So hopefully negotiations start to happen because I just really, really miss being on set. But my rose this week was a beautiful hike that my husband and I went on, and I don't remember the name of the trail, but it was right in between Griffith Park Observatory and the Hollywood sign, and it looked out on all of Los Angeles. So basically, any which way you faced was absolutely beautiful, and the mountains were covered in these beautiful yellow flowers that I'm pretty sure are considered weeds, (laughs) but (laughs) honestly, they're just so beautiful that I won't complain. And, uh, it was an all around great afternoon. (laughs) So my rose included flowers too. That's this time. Yeah. Awesome. 
All right. So just a couple of things before we move on to our letter. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps to boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it. And we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. All right, so let's move on to our letter for today, which covers the subject of how to handle infertility. Dear Wallflower, I am a woman in my mid-20s who's beginning to think about having a baby. I've always wanted children, and my husband really wants kids too. The problem is, I don't know if it's going to be difficult for me to get pregnant. While I've never had any tests done when it comes to fertility, from what I understand, doctors don't do any tests until you've had no luck getting pregnant for a while, I do have PCOS and have always had a secret worry that conceiving is going to be out of the question for me. How do I deal with this uncertainty in the meantime? Is there anything that I can be doing to help myself mentally and emotionally or even physically? And what do I do if my worries end up becoming a reality? Sincerely worried about the future. So Paula, being that Jessica and I don't have the lived experience that you do in this area, I'm going to start off with just a question for you. Our writer says that she's worried about the future, about something that hasn't happened yet. Do you think it's helpful to worry about whether we might struggle with infertility before we have a confirmation? Or do you think it's best to try to wait to think too much about it until we know what we're facing? I think being proactive, especially when you already have a diagnosis, is really the best thing you can do. It's totally scary knowing like I have this diagnosis and you don't know how significant it is. Um, you know, women with PCOS get pregnant all the time. So you, it's just a question of like, how severe is it? What's my treatment management going to look like? How long is it going to take? Um, but actually knowing that she has PCOS already is a huge blessing, a huge step forward. Um, like one 2017 study or survey showed that 34% of women reported it took more than two years to get diagnosed with PCOS. Mm-hmm. 47% reported seeing at least three doctors in the process. So the fact that she already knows she has PCOS, she's already two years ahead on her trying to conceive journey potentially. And, you know, anxiety is kind of that fear of the future of the unknown, whereas like actual fear is like something's, you know, there's a threat in the moment, but because it's so nebulous, it just kind of can make it all the more consuming. Um, So I'm really a proponent of, if you know, that you have a diagnosis. And while nobody knows exactly what causes PCOS, there's like some experts say there's like four or five different kinds and each kind might be caused by a different scenario. And there's like overlapping components. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if you have a diagnosis, there's plenty of information out there. And like the the choices that you make now, even if you're not ready to like hit the sheets and make a baby right now, the choices that you make now can start improving your fertility outcomes. Uh, for example, any change you start today, it's going to take 120 days for that to show up in your eggs. Hmm. So, you know, fertility really is 
it's a long game, unfortunately, you know, because it's extremely hard to wait. But yes, knowing you have a diagnosis can be anxiety inducing. So I would encourage being proactive, start learning, start researching, start being able to advocate for yourself. And that's going to help reduce anxiety. A huge part of infertility is realizing how much is out of your control. Mm -hmm. But if you can say, okay, here's my plan. This is what I'm doing to help myself to optimize my fertility, to increase my chances when we are ready to start getting pregnant. It's going to help give you some sense of control and you know that you're already doing the best that you can be doing for when you're ready to start trying to get pregnant. Hmm. So what I hear you saying is there's really nothing that you can do to control your fertility in the sense of you can't make something happen that might not be able to happen. But what you can do is you can kind of go in with a game plan of this is how I'm going to kind of give myself the best chances and maybe um, try to prepare my body to be able to do this. Yes. Like you're not, you're dealt your fertility cards, right? Like nobody gives themselves PCOS. Nobody gives themselves endometriosis, right? It's not a contagious disease. It's not like, oh, I got sneezed on by somebody who has low progesterone. Like (laughs) these are very complex, complicated issues. Like women's health is, you know, is super connected. Like your, 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 um, stress axis basically is connected to your thyroid and your thyroid is connected to your reproductive organs. And so it can kind of very quickly become this big, kind of tangled mess of like one system gets out of whack and it causes us downstream effect of all these other systems getting out of whack. So being able to say this is kind of, these are the cards that were dealt to me and, and unfortunately having to just grapple with that and accept it. But just because those are the cards you were dealt doesn't mean there's nothing you can do. You can, you know, you can learn about your condition. Like for example, with PCOS now, I'm just throw this disclaimer out there. I'm not a medical professional. I don't have medical training. This is just my experience, my personal research. Um, you can, you know, if there are several kind of textbook symptoms or components of PCOS, but not every one of these is going to apply in every single case of PCOS. So you need to look at the symptoms that actually apply to you. Um, is that elevated androgens that there are, things you can do to help kind of rebalance those hormones. Do you have insulin resistance? You know, treating that might be a combination of increasing some movement, increasing your protein, taking a supplement like myo-inositol. Do you have luteal phase defect, which is where your body doesn't make enough progesterone after ovulation? Um, There's a small body of scientific literature out there showing that supplementing at the right time in your cycle with bioidentical compounded progesterone can help the body to start making more of its own progesterone. Um, Not ovulating quote on time or not ovulating regularly is another big component of PCOS and that's, you know, tied to hormonal issues. So really getting into the nitty gritty of what are the aspects of my particular case Hmm. and then looking for, treatment or management of symptoms that apply to you 
you know, you can start doing all of those things now. And I guarantee you, even if you're not ready to get pregnant right now, all of those things are going to have a great impact on your overall health and sense of wellness because women's health, um, especially when it's something like major like PCOS or endometriosis is not just, it doesn't just involve your ovaries and your uterus. Like it's impacting your whole body. Um, that's why I don't remember when it was, but sometime within the past five, 10 years, um, the American College of Obstetrics, I can never say that word, <laughs> gynecologists <laughs> like started saying your period is your fifth vital sign. There's so mm-hmm. much information about your health and your body that can be garnered from observing your period and observing your overall cycle. Um, mm-hmm. So just the kind of the significance of a woman's period being considered the fifth vital sign, you know, anything that you're doing to improve your sick, your cycle, health, your reproductive health is going to have effects on your hormones. It's going to have effects on all of these other parts of your body. So it's never wasted. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense. So getting to her, one of her last questions, what are the things that a woman can do, whether it be mental, emotional, or physical to take care of her body in a way that might improve her chances of getting pregnant, or at least just create better health, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in her body in the meantime. Right. So some, there's a, there are so many things you could do, you know, if, if you start looking into, um, women's reproductive health, online, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. So, you know, I would encourage our letter writer to, when she starts doing her own research, just be aware that there are a lot of experts out there, whether you're like Google searching or looking on Instagram and they're all putting out content. (laughs) They're all saying, do this, do that. So just, you know, be intentional about how much information you're going to take in, how much information you're going to incorporate. You know, if you're going to create a new habit, just like take it slow, be intentional. Don't try to just do all of the things all at once. (laughs) It will backfire, I promise you. Um, (laughs) But things that you can do now that will both improve your overall health and your fertility are um, managed stress. I know everybody says this, but it really is so important. Um, For example, cortisol, the primary stress hormone is upstream from making estrogen and progesterone. So if you're stressed, your body is actually prioritizing making making, um, cortisol, which means it doesn't have the available resources to make estrogen and progesterone, the two primary hormones you need for a healthy Mm. female cycle. That's just one example of why managing stress can be a really key part. Um, Getting good sleep, is another really big, important thing. Um, moderate exercise, not like don't go crazy. Cause that jacks up your cortisol, which can have other negative effects. But <laughs> even if you're just walking every day, um, get your blood flowing because that helps increase blood flow to your ovaries, to all your reproductive organs, and you get more oxygen, you get more nutrients down there. Uh, acupuncture is another great thing for all of stimulating hormones, reducing stress, increasing blood flow. Um, this one might be controversial, but, um, get off the pill. If you're taking the pill and you have something like endometriosis or PCOS, 
that has these major hormonal components, I would really encourage you to get off. I know if, if you have PCOS or endometriosis and you go to a conventional OB-GYN, they're going to recommend you go on the pill to quote, regulate your cycle. Mm-hmm. If you have a really long cycle, if you're having a really short cycle, if you're having painful cycles, they're going to put you on the pill. And the issue with that, especially if you know, I want to have children and I want to have children soon, um, is that it's only messing with your hormones further. It can cause nutrient deficiencies a whole lot more, and it doesn't cure PCOS. It doesn't cure endometriosis. All it does is that it suppresses ovulation and gives you a quote, withdrawal bleed, right? A fake period. Mm-hmm. If you have a horm- you know, if an issue like repeat PCOS or endometriosis that has this huge hormonal component, you're not going to be able to address that and help your body heal. If you're just feeding it synthetic hormones and you're not letting your body do what it's designed to do. So, you know, I would encourage worried about the future to learn a fertility awareness based method. There are lots of them out there. Um, I personally like the Creighton model. If you want like the maximum amount of information, I would combine the the Creighton model with um, basal body temperature. So you're getting Mm. both like your biomarkers of fertility, like your cervical mucus Mm. and tracking your temperature, which Mm. rises after ovulation. So you can kind of see cervical mucus is impacted by your hormones. So you can you'll be able to track through your cycle as you come off your period, as you're approaching your ovulation window, once you've ovulated and then the increasing progesterone. So it's, you know, and it doesn't matter if you have a regular cycle or a messed up cycle, these biomarkers, whether it's cervical mucus, whether it's temperature, I like both together for maximum amount of information, you can help you pinpoint where you are in your cycle and what's going on. Hmm. This can give you a ton of information about, other issues like PCOS or endometriosis. And then when it comes time to like trying to conceive, you'll know exactly when you're fertile and you don't have to try and figure it out or just like guess because most women don't have a 28 day cycle and most women aren't ovulating on day 14. You have to learn your body and you have to learn your cycle. But the only way you can do that is if you're not interfering with that, with synthetic hormones. Hmm. Those are incredible thoughts. And honestly, as you were just talking about how the female body works, I am struck by how kind of incredible it is. It is, you know, and how many things work together and this influences that. And it, it is kind of so incredible the way that we were designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, it's great too, Paula, if I can add in here that sure. You're encouraging women to know their bodies because I think too often our world just wants a quick fix to things. And we don't ask the questions of what are the downstream effects of that? You know, it's, oh, well, you know, I (laughs) either don't want to get pregnant or I want to quote fix, you know, the symptoms I'm having. So thus the pill or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I, I just love that you're telling people not only that I think there's a lot of reasons to to not be on the pill, to take a natural approach to all this, but also encouraging us to understand our bodies, that there's no one size fits all mm-hmm. um, pathway in terms of even how, how our cycles work out. There's a range of healthy and there's also a range of 
maybe something to potentially pay attention to that might be signaling something like um, PCOS or things out of whack with our hormones. So again, I just feel like this reminder that our bodies are holistically integrated and we need yes. to be aware of how all these different aspects play together is such a great encouragement. Um, yeah. Encouragement. Thanks. And I, I would just add that, you know, if you're working with a medical practitioner of any kind who is not interested in getting to the root cause of something, then maybe that person's not a good fit for you. Mm. Um, you know, I've been, I was very fortunate early on in my marriage to find NAPRO technology, um, which stands for natural procreative technology. It's a, it's basically a methodology that like conventional OBGYNs can get trained in. And the, the basic philosophy is that infertility is a symptom of something else. Hmm. So let's get to the root cause of what is causing the infertility and address that. Hmm. Um, so I've worked with some really great doctors who, you know, were willing to get down to the bottom and run quote, like the big tests, like like I never thought I was going to have PCOS. My OBGYN was like, oh, let's just run these tests. And I was like, sure, let's just throw everything yeah. at it. So when she called me, I can still like remember where I was. When she called me, I was like, you have PCOS. I was like, what? <laughs> like mm-hmm. out of, I think like this has been like just in general for my health. Like I don't have like textbook symptoms for anything. Like I'm always like that minuscule percent that has like the randomest complications. Like, you know, I had complications from getting my tonsils out. Like who has that? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I've just come to like, expect that it's probably going to surprise me. <laughs> um, so nap and looking for a NAPRO, the called NAPRO doctors, um, might be a good fit. Functional medicine is also really good at looking at the root cause, looking at the whole system, um, you know, uh, you know, start with your, start with your like conventional OB-GYN and see how much they're willing to work with you. They might be willing to like, you know, who knows, they might have an interest in functional medicine. They might be willing to like test for this nutrient or test for that thing. But, you know, if you need to switch to get actual personalized attention and somebody who's willing to work with you to get answers, then don't be afraid to do that. And it's, I know sometimes women are like, oh, the doctor seems so busy and all that kind of stuff, or it's such a hassle. You know, we don't want to kind of like be assertive and advocate for ourselves, but because everything in fertility takes so long, like you Mm -hmm. only get one chance to get pregnant, you know, you ovulate once a cycle. And especially if you have something like PCOS, some women with PCOS only have like three or four cycles a year. Like that means you only have four chances a year to get pregnant, but if you can work with a practitioner to get, you know, to help actually naturally resolve some of these issues and shorten your cycle to, you know, the typical around, you know, 30 days, then you got up to 12 chances a year to get pregnant. Yeah. So, you know, don't be afraid to switch to a different doctor, somebody who's going to listen to you, somebody who's going to actually be willing to have a dialogue with you, get to the root causes um, and it, it's okay to, it's, it's, uh, it's not uncommon to start with one type of like methodology, switch to another, get as far as you can, and then like switch to another. So yeah. I, I really am very grateful for how far I've gotten with NAPRO technology. I'm very intrigued with like functional medicine. Um, but the downside of functional medicine is they don't usually take insurance. Hmm. They, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. 
that. So, you know, if you want to go that route, just be aware. Um, but there's a lot of great information online. You can do a lot of your own research. Um, Dr. Laura Brighton has a ton of great information online. Dr. Jolene Brighton, Nicole Jardian, you know, there's the, this, I feel like women's health is kind of having a moment, mm-hmm. at least online. You know, there are a lot of voices online and on social media that are saying, no, like women's health needs attention and, you know, our bodies deserve to be, you know, listened to and respected. And these are some, you know, medical ways or supplements or natural things that we can do to kind of help restore like homeostasis in our bodies. Hmm. That's such a good point. Yeah. None of, none of our bodies fit into a cookie cutter perfectly. That that's a really great point. I'm kind of curious because your ministry is called Catholic Infertility Resources. How does your faith play into your struggles with infertility? It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, this is something that I still still struggle with all the time. I mean, primarily the reason that my focus is. Catholic infertility is because um, the Catholic church does not permit IVF. And Mm -hmm. if you are, maybe this way, the most common treatment that is offered if you're struggling to get pregnant is IVF. Mm -hmm. Um, It was offered to me. I was 23, maybe 24. My conventional OB-GYN was like, ran this test, ran that test basically hit his limit and was like, yeah, maybe you should try IVF. And I was like, um, first of all, I'm only 24. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, like you ran like three tests. Like we tried like three things. And thirdly, you basically laughed at me when I said I need cervical mucus to get pregnant. So I don't think you really know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so, but, uh, so, be, but because, you know, Catholics who are seeking to follow church teaching, like, you know, the, the, the big option that's being pushed on them is not one that they can say yes to. So, you know, what can they say yes to? And, um, the Catholic church teaches that, you know, any treatment that respects the human body respects life as far, you know, including like embryos and respects the conjugal act, um, can be pursued. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having a surgery to remove cysts or endometriosis, doing blood tests, taking medication, taking supplements, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like there's still so much out there, but because the big primary one that gets pushed on everybody is not allowed. Um, I really wanted to make sure that that was included in my resource. Um, but to get back to the, the faith part, like, you know, the, the Christian idea of God is that he is all loving, all providential, that he wants the best for you, mm-hmm. which is all true. But then how do you take that idea of a loving father, a loving savior, and say, I really want to have a child. My body, you know, is created good. The desire to have a child is good and natural right? It's, you know, in in the old Testament, having children is a sign of God's blessing. So then how do I reconcile these two, this idea of a good and loving God who wants what's best for me. And yet at the same time, I feel like he's not answering my prayer and giving me a child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have this, you know, God is all powerful. He has authority over life and death, 
even if I don't know what's wrong with my body, like he could heal me. He could give me a child. It would be so easy. Like, why doesn't he? (laughs) Um, And some of that's just the mystery of suffering, right? Some of it is, Mm -hmm. we don't know. You know, personally for me, there's been a lot of good that has come out of it. You know, I was very much like the type A, like this is my plan for my life and blah, 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 blah. And then I got like whacked with infertility and I was like, oh, like my life is not going to look like how I thought it was going to look like, but it really kind of pried my desperate sense of control fingers off of my life and kind of forced me into like more vulnerability in my marriage. Mm. Uh, you know, really made me learn about like my body and my health and, you know, eventually led me to this ministry. So like last the end of last year, my ob was like, I don't know what else we can try. Like we've kind of done everything, you know, you know, at this point it's just like quote tweaking things. So that was, I I kind of like was not surprised by that, but still obviously kind of devastated. So just kind of trying to grieve that and accept that most likely I will never find out why I can't get pregnant. And most likely I will never get pregnant. Um, But while still trying to decide like how hopeful am I going to be, how, much am I still going to like kind of keep trying? And during the midst of that, I kind of got a Holy Spirit inspiration. And I I don't say that lightly because it doesn't ever happen to me. That was like, maybe other women, sorry, other women out there need what you can offer them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if everybody saw the, the movie Robots, <laughs> but those, like the tagline and that is like, see a need, fill a need. And that's just kind of like always stuck with me. And that was kind of like my see a need, fill a need moment. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, then I kind of want to have like all of my, like, like all the information I have in my head in like somewhere physical. So if someone asks me a question, I can be like, oh, go look this up on my website. So that's kind of where the where the website came from of just mm. compiling already existing resources out there. Cause there are some great infertility mm. resources. Um Springs in the Desert, the Fruitful Hollow, they're both online communities. I think Springs in the Desert has a podcast. Um, you know, they have articles, they have blogs. I think it's the Fruitful Hollow that has kind of like a mentoring program. So there are great resources out there. So my website wasn't really so much to like replace them, but to just like be a source where other people can find more information. Yeah. Um, what, you know, where else can I find help or where else can I find information? Plus just kind of like everything that I've collected over, over the years. Um, and then like a month after that, I started the Instagram account just to be able to, you know, make content that wasn't, it wasn't going to fit on the website. Like, you know, what, what do you say when you get invited to a baby shower that you really don't want to go to, you know, or, um, I don't know, I have nothing else coming to you, but like, <laughs> it's all there. It's all there. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's been having, having it kind of a purpose for your suffering helps to make it more bearable. Like yeah. I wouldn't have this wisdom, quote unquote wisdom, I wouldn't have this ability to, you know, walk with these women if I hadn't suffered like Mm. they have. Um, and you know, our, my group at church is about like eight women and, um, you know, it's just been, it's been really, really nice to have other women who are, you know, they've 
had miscarriages, they've had infant loss. Um, you know, some of them have never gotten pregnant. So it's just, it's nice to kind of like have that community where other people actually understand like the toll that it takes. Cause that's yeah. something that can be difficult for somebody who hasn't been through it to get, even if it's your mother or your best friend or your sister, like realizing that the one thing that your female body is like supposed to do may not ever happen can be really devastating to your sense of like what it means to be a woman. It can be mm -hmm. devastating to like your life plans. So if you can, you know, I would encourage our letter writer also maybe to tap into a community of women who, you know, are going what she's going through or have been where she's been to have somebody who can actually understand and like be with her in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, just, I do want to like add that on there, but add this on there that, you know, yes, infertility really kind of like shakes you up inside and like makes you question like who you are and your identity and what it means yeah. to be a woman. But like being a woman is more than just getting pregnant. Um, there's a really beautiful concept um, called the feminine genius that we get from the writings of Pope John Paul II. And he it's taken from several documents than other, you know, theologians and philosophers have kind of like distilled it down and put it in summary form. And it's really easy to find online, but um, he highlights that women have a unique expression of being and he kind of, it gets distilled down into the four qualities, receptivity, sensitivity, generosity, and maternity. I like to add creativity to his list, um, but <laughs> these are other aspects of being a woman that, don't necessarily have to do with getting pregnant, but just because of the fact that you are female, that you are a woman, you can express your, your womanness by, you know, leading into these feminine qualities. Mm. I really love those last thoughts. That, that's beautiful. And I, I mean, that's even something that I can go ahead and start thinking about, like, how do I live into these aspects of being a woman before I'm a mother. If I ever become a mother, how do I lean into these aspects? Mm -hmm. um, Jessica, do you have any thoughts or um, questions or anything to add in right now? I guess just, I want to um, reassure our, our letter writer that um, as much as we've dwelled in the space of here's how to um, maybe healthfully approach the struggle of infertility um, from all these different angles, you know, inc including something like community. I just want to remind her that she doesn't yet know where she stands and I don't want her to feel in any way. Um, I don't know, more, more, de more desperate or dejected or anything than um, that what may be called for. And even if she does get to the point of, finding that she struggles a lot with fertility. I also don't want her to find herself there, there either. I think I would encourage her. It sounds like this is something that Paula has had to do before the Lord is to, to, to pray deeply and to keep open hands. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, Paula, what's going to happen with your story in coming years, but I have friends that have struggled, I would say decades or more with infertility and God has still blessed them with their own consumption conception of a child. That's awesome. That's and awesome. yes, it's, wow. and so it's not to say that 
you're going through the ringer and then God will give you the prize at the end. Like sometimes that doesn't happen. And I'm right. so sorry that's that, that that doesn't happen for some people, but for others it does. And we don't know why God mm-hmm. decides to allow this struggle. And um, I think in part, like you're saying, Paula, you can lean into that and say, what what can I bring to the world through this, regardless of how it ends, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's It's where am I now? being faithful with your journey now. And part of that faithfulness is knowing your body and knowing how you can potentially be helping it along the way, but also recognizing maybe God won't give me children of my own. What do I do then? You know, how do I live into the world in a motherly way? Um, Maybe that's adopting or fostering. Maybe it's mentoring. Um, Mm -hmm. It's bringing resources to people who would need them. So I guess just wanting to leave our, our, our writer in an encouraging place of what she can do today and and keeping her heart and her hands open. Mm -hmm. The the point about fostering or adopting is really good. And it's something that I would encourage her and her husband to start talking about now. Mm -hmm. Like, is this something you're open to? Is this something you might be open to? You know, if we find out maybe five years in that it's just looking like we're not going to get pregnant. Um, you know, as, as a foster mom, foster care is really hard, <laughs> um, but it can be really rewarding, um, not just to see, like we, we've had two um, placements who both went back to a biological family, um, which has its own slew of mixed emotions, but, you know, you get to love on a child, provide something for them, you know, use your motherly expression of being, and then you also kind of like our first foster placement, he went back to his birth parents. Like you get to see the parents go through growing and self-sacrificial love for their child and like stepping up to the plate. And that's also just kind of a, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful to be part of that. Um, and then you just keep praying and hoping that they all stay on straight and narrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so foster care is an option adoption is also an option. It could be very expensive if you're doing a private adoption. Um, so, you know, I kind of, sometimes I'm like, man, if we just start saving for adoption 10 years ago, <laughs> um, but, you know, discuss, discuss these options with your husband, because if you're like, if you're both open to it, or at least open to like exploring it more, it's really comforting to know that Avenue is open to you, that you're not just going to be like, well, I guess we're just going to live without kids and be sad about it. Like, no, you don't have to, you know, you have the desire to have children and there are children out there who need parents. And sometimes, sometimes that's the mysterious way of building a family where God makes wholeness out of brokenness. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I mean, lastly, would just love to encourage our writer, as, as Paula said, to find women who have walked this path before and to learn from them and to find community with them. Um, because I think feeling like you are walking into the darkness all alone is one of the scariest feelings. And I don't think we are meant to go about our pain all alone like that. So I think that that's a really um, wonderful thing that that Paul mentioned earlier. Um, Does anyone have any last thoughts before we, before we move on? I do. And I I know I said so much, I'm sorry, but no, please. um, I I love to hear everything you have to say. (laughs) Um, My, my last tip for our letter writer would be that as she and her husband are moving into actively trying to conceive um, like, 
just a heads up, like a lot of your conversations are going to be about like where you are in your cycle, your emotions, your treatment options, like your choices for building a family, all of the what ifs. And it's really easy for trying to get pregnant could just kind of like consume all of your attention, consume all of your conversations, consume your marriage, um, you know, and consume your sex life. So, you know, be super intentional about like kind of protecting your marriage from the trying to get pregnant monster. (laughs) Like (laughs) you and your husband are what is primary you and your husband your marriage is what is of the most importance regardless of whether you ever have children or not so you know be very careful to kind of stay balanced right you know go on date nights don't have sex only when you're fertile don't have conversations only about fertility you know still do fun things together and just don't get sucked into kind of like the desperation of like, we have to get pregnant this cycle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Your marriage is what you have for sure already. Exactly. Exactly. So, and you know, no matter, you know, no matter what the outcome is of like your fertility issues, like you want to maintain your marriage and you want to maintain the health of your marriage. Um, So just, yeah, just keep that in mind. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, Paul. It really means so much to have you here with us. (laughs) Um, Well, it's time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that just made us really happy. And everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Paula, what is your suggestion this week? My suggestion is a nail polish. Um, when I was sick and kind of on some forced rest, I was like, I'm going to paint my nails. Um, <laughs> so this is an olive in June nail polish in the shade SE. Uh, S is in Sierra, E is an echo. Um, a dear friend gave it to me for a birthday and it's just the perfect shade of light pink. Like it makes me mm-hmm. look tan. It's long lasting. <laughs> and I've just been like, enjoy, like, you know, when you get in, when you have nice nails, you just like look at them all the time. You're just like, they're so pretty. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing all week. I'm just like, Oh, my nails are so pretty. They make my hands look so good. <laughs> you can put them next to your flowers. Yeah. And just yeah. Enjoy. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's nothing like a good manicure. <laughs> All right, Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? I'm going to suggest a little book that I have been reading called Interior Freedom by Jacques Philippe. Oh, so good. Oh, you know, good, yes. sweet. Okay. <laughs> this little book was written in the, I think it's the last decade or two, but it has this feel of a Christian classic of centuries past. I feel like the wisdom and applicability are both simple and profound. In essence, um, Philippe considers this notion of interior freedom, which we have in Christ that cannot be taken away, no matter what our outward circumstances are. I find it a beautiful challenge as well as a comfort to accept what is and move through life with joy and grace, with hope and faith and and love. So check out Interior Freedom by Jacques Philippe. That sounds amazing. His book on peace was like a life changer. I should probably reread it. I've read it a couple of times, but yeah. And it's small, but it's just like, I found myself underlining like every sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Two books I need to check out now. (laughs) All right. Well, this week 
I am suggesting a beautiful journal that I recently got and I just really love from this website called Peter Popper Press. And they also sell on Amazon and I'm suggesting it honestly, because the journals that they make are just so pretty. They're elegant and sturdy Hmm. and lovely. And you'll just want to write in it every single day. And I've had a couple of different journals from this seller, but I specifically love their bookbound journals. So I will be linking those in the description of this episode. All right. To wrap up this episode, before we go, Paula, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you are up to? Um, Probably the best thing to do would be to follow my Instagram account at catholic.infertility.resources. You can DM me. You can also check out my website, catholicinfertilityresources.com if it's something you think you might find helpful or share it with a friend. And Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journals, where we have journal, just one, <laughs> where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.